0: Mm.
1: Side. He's got Max Danball picked off, he's around Chase with Jared Horstman up to third down the back straight away. And Rich France.
2: The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit. And uh, replace the tire and get back
0: out. Michigan
1: Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis
0: Stemler, going West for Driver, the Hill Racing Forty This is Barry Marlowe. This is fourteen-time ARCA champion
2: Ron Allen. This is three-time Dirt Car UMP National Champion Rusty Schlink.
1: And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings. A busy weekend of racing and some really cool stuff to talk about on tonight's program. But first, let's see what's happening in a Motor City minute two in a row chalk another one up for the old dudes kevin harvick back in victory lane this time richmond international raceway uh harvick now looking pretty good to get into the nascar playoffs they call him a closer for the reason uh, chandler smith by the way gets it done in the truck series i do want to ask you rich when we get done with motor city minute if you caught ty gibbs and kyle bush's little exchange on the racetrack over the weekend more on that coming up Jonathan Davenport is on a major roll as he picked up another huge payday, this time the North-South 100 at Florence Speedway in Kentucky for the Lucas Oil Dirt Lake Model Series. $75,000 in his pocket for the win. And following a long week of racing in Iowa, Donnie Schatz picked up his 11th NOS Energy Drink Knoxville Nationals title on Saturday. And finally, if you didn't hear, or maybe you live under a rock, Evan Shotko may be the guy to give you your next loan. He backed up his $10,000 win at Jennerstown a couple of weeks ago, with another big $30,000 after he drove away of the final 50 laps to grab his first-ever battle at Berlin 250 on Wednesday. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Good evening. This is going to be a cool show tonight, Zach, I'm telling you. What a cool show. We're going to talk to a driver out of Pinellas Park, Florida. No hints, just a driver out of Pinellas Park, Florida will be on the program tonight. And uh, we get an opportunity to talk to a couple of different Hall of Famers and a couple of different aspects. But, Rich, I want to talk to you real quick just about a little bit of NASCAR potential drama. Did you see the incident this weekend between Kyle Busch, Rowdy, and Ty Gibbs on the racetrack? You know, I can only imagine I did not.
2: And the only reason I did not is I was at Toledo on Friday, Flat Rock on Saturday. Everybody else was off on Saturday. Almost everybody else got rained out. That's up. right. We got it in, we stuck it in, you know, kudos to Scott Schultz and Ron Drager. He wanted, he says, it's not raining that hard. I think it's going to stop. And it stopped and we had an autograph night. And so, no, I was a little busy so all day, so I wasn't able to catch anything outside of what I was doing.
1: Well, just a real quick, you know, Ty Gibbs in for Kurt Busch in the 45 machine uh, with Kurt still dealing with some concussion protocol. Kyle Busch, obviously his contract has not been renewed with Gibbs Racing. Everybody's pretty confident he'll be out at the end of 2022. And everybody's speculating now, is that seat opening up for Ty Gibbs? Well... Those two drivers traded a little paint on Saturday, nothing too major, but a little how's your mother from Kyle to Ty, and Ty returned the favor a little how's your career from Ty Gibbs to Kyle Busch. Just a little bump and runs exchanged, but everybody on the Internet or some folks on the Internet wondering if that's a little uh, checkmate action happening there. Are we seeing Ty Gibbs get ready to get warm and fuzzy with that 18 car?
2: Well, I think he's got a connection with the car owner. You know, <laughs> I think he's—I I think he's kind of tight with the car owner. Let's right. say that. Um, and I think I don't know if this was early or if that was the plan. Uh, he's leading the Xfinity Series in wins this year. I believe he has five. So, what more can he do there? Um, I don't know. We'll have to—we'll have to see if he ends up winning the Xfinity Series championship. But I think the plan all along um, has been to get. Ty Gibbs to that point I don't know if it was particularly in the 18 car but the way everything is working out um with Kyle Busch maybe that plan gets accelerated a little bit
1: by the way Ty Gibbs did not finish that race he was scored in the 36th spot uh as for uh your friend in the 18 machine Kyle Busch he finished inside the top 10 so (laughs) still capable for for Kyle so we'll see what happens
2: yeah, there's a lot of different things that are that are going to go on. There's different reasons for different things of why there isn't a deal done. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with money oh, yeah. uh, and and sponsorships and and that sort of thing. But uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out. but uh, I don't think that the uh, I don't think that Joe Gibbs is worried about having to drive her
1: to slip into that eighteen machine. Uh, if things don't work out on the other side. No, I think he's got that part handled. Hey, uh, you mentioned that everybody and their brother washed out on Saturday except for Flat Rock Speedway. That included Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway, Rich, but uh, they found a way to get that race in on Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah, Zach, the highly anticipated eighth running of the Hot Shoe 100 was on the schedule for Saturday at Springport Michigan, Michigan Speedway, but Mother Nature taking a grip on most of the state of Michigan all day long. The event would be delayed until Sunday. Um, We had to wait 24 hours. He had to wait 24 hours, but Cody Stickler uh, took the big win and the big payday over Trevor Berry and Blake Rowe over at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway on Sunday. Bubba Brooks took the B feature. Aaron Taylor would grab the C feature. And, Zach, if I said we had someone on the phone lines from Pinellas Park, Florida, there might be another name you would guess. but, uh, (laughs) But on this Monday this gentleman earned it he picked up a big win in the huge ten thousand twenty four dollar payday in the eighth running of the hot shoe 100 yesterday cody stickler welcome to Horsepower happenings hi how's it going great man uh, long way to come for a race but uh tell me on this monday how you feeling got to be pretty good uh it feels great man it definitely uh made the
3: the, the long trip worth it you know uh the guys the crew crew guys and me we we flew doug Moff and his uh his wife drove the car up there so we didn't have quite as many travel hours i can say you know driving and stuff but uh yeah all in all man a great trip and it was definitely worth it
2: i've seen you race down south um you know, I, I was at. Uh, I think they modified the mayhem, kind of run majority, majority of their stuff out of the Montgomery Motor Speedway, but um, but you've run at Pensacola, Nashville. Um, what what made you want to come up here to Springport? So just the the I feel like there's a lot of competition and
3: uh, the amount of cars and the, the little bit different rules being on bumps and stuff. With uh, we wanted to come try it. We called up to Ken Ross and did it a few years ago in 2019 and ran pretty good, I think qualified third, ended up fifth, and wanted to try to improve on that a little bit, and uh, we did.
1: Cody, I want to talk to you about, you know, Rich mentioned the Modifieds of Mayhem tour, and, and, uh, you know, there was an opportunity a couple of times for Midwest Mods and Modifieds of Mayhem to run together, Um, and so I think that you've had the opportunity to kind of see what Bud Gray has been doing, and, um, you know, we've talked with a couple of other guys who have raced with both before, and. Man, these Michigan modifieds, I think, are one of the most competitive in the area, uh, especially in our area. What What are your thoughts about that? Having come from the south to run with our guys, I mean, for for us, we just yeah. th- we just think of them as a really competitive group. But I want to hear what you think, uh, coming from outside the area.
3: Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. I mean, I in my opinion, I'd say it's uh, probably the most stiff competition that we go to. You know, we go to the derby and stuff like that, but. I just feel like that series and this weekend, they had a little bit uh, more, I guess you could say a stronger strength of field, you know, like uh, just the amount of cars and just how close they were compared to, you know, other places we go, you know, it's a little more difference in times compared to like this place and uh, this weekend.
1: All right, Cody. So you come up here, you make the long haul. Ten thousand twenty-four dollars is on the line, and then you find out that this this weekend is going to be extended by a day. Uh, you lose Saturday to weather. Does that does that really affect what you guys are doing as a team? I know obviously it affects personal plans coming from from Pinellas Park, but uh, as a team, losing that main day on Saturday does that affect you guys much? No,
3: we kind of we pretty much had our plan for. Saturday, well, race day, you know, we had our plan for what we were going to do race day as far as the car and stuff like that. So it more just, uh, affected our travel, but yeah, no, we had our plan for what we were going to do for the race and went with it.
2: Cody, talk to me about the race. Uh, I was able to, to catch it, uh, post uh, on video, uh, you start in a second row and really the first half of the race, uh, you're just kind of cruising a little bit, I guess. Uh, Blake, Blake's looking pretty strong out front. Uh, was that the plan to get to the fuel break and just and just be in touch?
3: Yeah, definitely. So we knew coming coming there that Blake was going to be probably the one to beat, you know, when in the past few, and he runs really good and is a an awesome driver, you know. So we figured he was going to be the one. And then with him starting on the pole, we figured we'd like to get the second, you know, if we could right away get past Nestor and then just fall in line and ride there, like you said, until we had that break. We knew the break was coming. We had a couple of them restarts there, and we figured, you know, maybe if we can get around them, go ahead, get the clean air, and then maybe I'd set the pace. But we didn't want to push it too hard with the, the caution coming, like you said. So, yeah, we kind of just we're buying our time and waiting for that last caution and try to get to the front
2: after that. Talk to me about the break. I, I, I thought I've seen Modifieds do this before, but what is the reason? I mean, I, I know you guys could – I would think you guys could run 100 laps, can't you? Yeah, so our car we can make the
3: hundred pretty easily, but I guess uh, a lot of some of them guys have smaller fuel cells. I'm guessing with big motors and they drank a lot of fuel, so I think some of them guys might have been a little short on fuel if we didn't have that break.
2: Wouldn't now? Wouldn't that be? I guess wouldn't that be part of the game? I mean, knowing that you're running 100 laps, um, I know if I owned one, I'd have a fuel cell for a ten thousand dollar to win race to make make sure I could make the whole distance.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. But I think uh, more a lot of our races are 50 laps. You know, it's 75 sometimes, and we don't really run 100 laps. So I think a lot of the guys, you know, have smaller fuel cells and stuff like that.
1: Cody, it's been a it's been a successful season for you so far. I mean, you got a couple of wins under your belt, doing some stuff uh, with the uh, Modifieds of Mayhem Tour, and then. Uh, Of course, uh, you know, a couple of other things this season, a couple of top fives, a couple of top tens to kind of start things out with the World Series. Um, Tell folks how how your season has been going, in your opinion. I mean, a couple of wins and then $10,024 in the pocket. That's a pretty good look.
3: Yeah, definitely, man. Me and Johnny, the RD, he actually does all the stuff in my car. We were talking on the way home about how good a season we're having. I think that was uh, number nine win number nine at eight different tracks across four states. So, wow. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that the first half of the season, you know.
1: Why are you, why are you putting so many miles on that, you know, hauler to go and race, and uh, you know, nine wins, eight tracks? Uh, how many states did you say you're having to go to to get those races in?
3: Uh, we've been to, obviously, Florida. So we're from Alabama, Tennessee, and then now Michigan. So, so, yeah, we just, you know, we've done a lot around, a lot of racing around. Uh, Florida down south where we're from and just kind of wanted to change things up and experience different stuff and go race with different guys.
1: Talk to me about this win, though, the Hot Shoe 100. I guess, you know, $10,024. I have a couple of questions, I guess. First is, you know, I think about, Rich, how does somebody down in Pinellas Park, Florida, hear about this event? Uh, Because obviously us around here, we know the Hot Shoe 100. We know what it's about. We know it's a big deal. But then, yes. h- how do you hear about it, Cody? What gets you up here?
3: So, like I said, we've, we've ran the race before, but then before that, we just know about it just from, you know, just following Facebook pages. And, and like Travis said, he had some of the guys that come down and race with us, know about it from them. Um, Doug Moff, actually, uh, the guy who owns the car that I've been driving, he used to race with you guys quite a bit up there, you know, a few races a year. They would go up there and run some of them races, so we were a little, little bit familiar with the series and stuff like that.
2: So you come out of the break, uh, get you get, get you some fuel, and then you don't waste a whole lot of time jumping out to the lead. Uh, did you want to get out that early, or uh, or was it just a time to try to work the high side of Blake? No, nah, that was the plan. We knew we uh, it was
3: going to be hard to get around Blake because I even a couple times before the break tried to pressure him a little bit and. You know, trying to look around a little bit and see if I would be able to pass them. And it was tough, you know, when I didn't so complete the pass right there. So I just fell in line again. But then, yeah, that was, that was what me and Johnny talked about. We wanted to definitely try to take the lead on that restart and get that clean air. I knew uh, Gannis was behind me and he was definitely putting pressure on me, got me a little sideways a couple of times just racing. So I wanted to be the one out front, set the pace for sure.
2: It ended up Blake had a heck of a battle with Jeff, uh, you know, the last half of the race. But you had another problem in the name of Trevor Barry. He was on the fly. Oh, yeah. I uh,
3: definitely uh, knew he was coming over the radio. I think at one point we had a 1.6 second lead. And it was 1.5, 1.3, 1.1, And then once it got to a second, a few car lengths, I figured I better uh, pick it up and give it everything it had the last 10, 15 laps.
1: Cody, let's talk about these race cars, and we've talked about this before with, uh, you know, Kyle Purvis. Uh, Those those race cars that you're used to running down south, they are a little bit different than what we run up here in the north. Uh, Is it primarily body style that's different, or how much do you have to change to come up here and run uh, north of Tennessee?
3: Oh, no, there's quite a few things that, a lot of little things that add up change the car to get it ready, but yeah, the body, you know, the box. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff to change over, but we're actually going to take that car to Winchester next month, and then the following month back to Winchester, so it'll pretty much kind
1: of be ready to go, you know? Do you, do you use the same car? I know Kyle told us last time we talked to him, he's actually got a south car, a southern car, and a northern car, do you use the same one? Okay.
3: So, no, we do the same thing, really. Uh, that red car that, with the black body we brought up there, we've been using that for the Mayhem races and uh, took it up there, of course. But, yeah, like our the, the more local stuff we do around here, we have another car that's for little more bullring ring type racing.
1: Cody, let's uh, let's continue this conversation about uh, y- y- your season and this car. Uh, you 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 lay the groundwork. You have such a successful season. You get this big win now ten thousand twenty four dollars. You mentioned Winchester. The next two uh, two months are those kind of the the last big hoorahs for you this season, or what is left for those fans of modified racing? What kind of crown jewels are still up for grabs?
3: Well, of course, the the Derby—that's definitely the biggest one, other than this—that we like to try to go to every year and try to get that get that win. But yeah, the run for the gun—that one in October—we got our eyes on, and definitely want to try to get that one. We have a couple of um, bigger races around here at the end of the year, like a, a Eddie Brand Memorial, a uh, few races like that around here. Maybe the Governor's Cup, New Smyrna, uh, just
2: of them races. Cody, tell our fans from around here just to kind of introduce them to you, you, you a little bit. Um, how long have you been modified racing? Is that what you want to do? I know some guys find a niche. Uh, are you looking into, you know, doing something on the super late model side? Uh, yes, I started racing modified probably
3: uh, 12 years ago. I had a sportsman before that, you know, street stocks before that when I was sports. Fifteen, But then, yeah, I got a modified about 10, 12 years ago and just loved it, man. I feel like they're hard to drive and just love all the power with the, with the small tire. You know, you really got to finesse it and be smooth with it. And just I love that. Uh, I've done a little bit of super racing, but just, uh, just
0: a little
1: bit out of
3: my budget at times, you know, and would rather do stuff that uh, I'm more familiar with.
1: Well, Cody, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and, and to, uh, you know, as Rich said, see you work your way through that race, pick up the ten thousand dollars $24 payday uh, with the Hot Shoe 100. Man, where can folks follow along with you if they liked how you raced and maybe you grabbed a couple of fans from up here? Uh,
3: man, I really don't do a whole lot of social media or stuff like that. I just have my personal Facebook page and kind of just uh, go with that, you know.
1: Yeah, man. Cool. Well, uh, congratulations on a big win. Is there anybody, we like to open up at least one uh, small section of our show to the winners to have them thank the people who make it possible for them to do what they do if they weren't there, uh, if the fans weren't there at Springport on Saturday, or a Sunday, rather. Uh, who is it that got you to victory lane? Uh, I didn't hear that.
3: Sorry, I was going across the bridge. You repeat that
1: one? Oh, I was just saying, uh, you know, we like to open up a part of our show each week to the people who go to Victory Lane to let us know who it is that gets them to Victory Lane for the fans listening who didn't make it to the racetrack on Sunday.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So none of this, man, would be possible without Doug and Kim Moff. They own the car. Um, they do a lot for me, you know, outside of the race and also. So definitely got to thank them. And uh, Johnny, he's uh, RRD. He's the guy that... uh does all the setup, builds the cars. He does everything and gives us good cars everywhere we go. So definitely got to thank him. He puts a lot of hours in and uh, a lot of time. So definitely him, uh, Richie Smith, he comes with me a lot. I raced with him back at, when we're back home and, uh, he comes with me to a lot of races. We travel and helps me out a lot. My buddy Corey, man, he does a lot. He takes off work and comes with us. And then of course the, all the sponsors, D Moss construction, uh 84 lumber, and 275 fast signs. does all the graphics and stuff for us, so got to thank them.
1: Awesome, Cody. Well, hey, man, congratulations. Nicely done. Uh, Thanks for coming up to Michigan to play, and uh, I'm the only one saying that probably. I I know a lot of our Michigan boys probably would have rather you just stay home. (laughs) But uh, thanks for coming up, man. Congratulations, and good luck the rest of the season. Maybe we'll see you at Winchester. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Well, appreciate Cody making some time to join us tonight. And now, Rich, we trade in the pavement and we talk a little dirt track racing as the Great Lakes Super Sprints had a rain makeup event at Hartford Speedway on Friday night. And what a fun event it was. And, Rich, I don't usually spend a whole lot of time on qualifying for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, but qualifying on Friday was one of the talks of the entire night as the Hartford Speedway track record fell not once Not twice, but three separate times the Hartford Speedway track record was broke during TI-22 performance fast qualifying. It started with the current points runner, Phil Gressman, in the number 7C machine. He broke into the track record category with his 14.838 second lap time. That was good enough for a new track record. And then Tyler Rankin. He would be the final driver of qualifying on the night. 14.647. He owns the new track record for Hartford Speedway, the last qualifier to go out on the night. Uh, what a blistering lap for him. And uh, oh, by the way, the other driver that had a track record for moments was Jared Horseman at his 14.935. He was the first one to break it. And then Phil quickly said, No, I'll take that. And then we had to wait for Tyler to come out and say, I'll go ahead and take that one. Put me down in the books. 25 laps, the main event for uh, exactly 20 cars around Hartford Speedway. It would be Danny Sams lining up on the outside pole alongside rookie Bobby Elliott as they bring the field to green. Sams would jump out to the early lead, and Rich, it looked like it was going to be the June race all over again. Sams, big lead out in front of this field, but a caution brought the field back together, and Sams' car did not fire once again. He got passed. Max Stambaugh around him, Dustin Daggett around him, uh, also Jared Horseman and the uh, number seven machine of Zane DeVault all get around Danny Sam. Sam's falls like a stone, he's out of the picture. But a big moment at the halfway point of the race. Zane DeVault and Jared Horseman, remember, they have history going back to Merritt Speedway the year before physical altercation, wrecked race cars, disagreements in the pits. Ryan Rule, or excuse me, uh, Zane DeVault and Jared Horseman exchanging slide jobs they make contact going into turn three busts to the left front suspension on Devault's car he flies up into the turn three and four wall flips wildly out of the park he is out of his car in a hurry no altercation on the racetrack nothing like that but Devault ends up with a junk race car we go back to green flag racing and it'll be max stambaugh who finds a way to the front of the field coming from his third starting spot he runs away rich putting great distance between he and Dustin Daggett, who ends up finishing second, coming from ninth to uh, get the runner-up spot. Danny Sams, the third, finishes in the third spot at the end of uh, the night after the final results are posted. Tyler Rankin gets fourth, and Kyle Portinga gets fifth. Dramatic moment after the race. A couple of cars, a couple three cars, failed to go to post-race technical inspection. Jared Horseman, Phil Gressman, and Brad Lamberson all failed to report for post-race technical inspection immediately after the race and uh, therefore did not uh, get paid or get points. And that'll shake up the point standings for the great Lake super sprints as Gressman was in the hunt, but rich, uh, that's one of those discussion topics is, uh, what do you do in that situation Well, it's clearly printed black and white in the rule book. And that's what you got to do. If you don't follow the rules, you got to pay the consequences.
2: Well, you don't need to be doing that when you're trying to chase down the race winner for the points championship. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, Max isn't giving him anything to work with. So you really kind of have to have if you want to hang with Max right now and and he's running so, so good and he's been running so good all year. Um, you can't have mental errors. And and obviously that's that's what these were, because if you were if you know, you're told to go there, you need to go there. And um, so but uh, there. When things like this happen, you're just making it easier for Max.
1: By the way, it is pretty much a two-car race at the front of the field now for the 2022 Great Lakes Super Sprint Series Championship. Four races remain, Friday at I-96, Saturday at Butler, and then Labor Day weekend, Friday at Hartford, Saturday at Attica Raceway Park, Max Stamball with a 16-point advantage over Dustin Daggett. 63 points back to Danny Sam. So mathematically still involved. We know how DQs uh, can happen in this sport and in this class especially. They can happen in a hurry with sprint car racing. So mathematically, Danny Sam still involved. And uh, after the disqualification, Phil Gressman now 106 points back. From the championship hunt, so it'll be a long row to hoe for him if he's going to get back up there and compete. So four races left, Rich. Uh, the Great Lakes Super Sprint's really competitive and a lot of fun right now. And congratulations to my buddy—I got my hug in victory lane uh, after two in a row from Max Stambos. So a nice job. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're the lucky charm for Max Stambos lately, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Uh, I, I keep getting hugs. Now I'm going to need him to offer me a beer every once in a while, and I'll be there. <laughs> Well, Zach, let's stay on the dirt for a
2: minute. Uh, The National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame held their 2022 induction ceremony on Saturday at Florence Speedway down in Kentucky as part of this weekend's North-South 100. Two-time World 100 winner Brian Burkhoffer is among five drivers inducted, including 2014 Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series champion Don O'Neill and 2009 World 100 winner Bart Hartman. Steve Boley and Mike Jewell were the other two drivers Inducted as part of the 2022 class. Three contributors to the sport were also inducted. Dick Beebe, who founded the Michigan-based Mark Times Racing News, was also inducted. Beebe is also an inductee into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame from back in 1985. Beebe was inducted posthumously uh, after passing away in 2009. Also inducted on Saturday was current Lucas Older late model series announcer James Essex. Uh, he's announced over 700 Lucas Oil Series events over his 17 years as the series voice. And another one of our own here in Michigan was inducted on Saturday. Current World of Outlaws Case Construction Equipment Late Model Series announcer Rick Eshelman. Uh, over his 40-year-plus career, he served two stints with the World of Outlaws and served as the announcer at tracks such as Flat Rock Speedway, Toledo, Oakshade, Lima Land, and Eldora. Well, Zach, in our business, it's always cool to talk to the folks that pave the way and, and set the high bar for announcers like, like us. We work with many, and um, I've had the privilege of working with Gary Lindall on a weekly basis, but it's our honor to welcome in uh, one of my dear friends, a guy that uh, actually announced quite a few of my races back in the day, but that just that just means that we're both old now. And he's one of the best announcers to ever hold a microphone. I don't care if it's pavement or dirt. He's the voice of the World of Outlaws Case Construction Equipment Late Model Series, and he was honored on Saturday with his well-deserved National Dirt Lay Model Hall of Fame induction, Rick Eshelman, welcome into Horsepower Happenings.
0: Rich, thanks for having me, bud. Zach, how you guys doing?
2: Great, man. Congratulations! I was able to watch uh, the induction. Like I, when I texted you, I told you I was. Um, nice job, man. It, it it surely seems like it meant a lot to you.
0: Uh, yeah, you don't ever expect to go there. You just if they put you there, then that's great. But you don't count on it because when you start trying to build up accolades, that's when you make more mistakes. And you'll never get there. So just do your thing, and it'll come to you if it's meant to be.
2: Rick, we always see uh, you know on, on the streaming platform now. But, uh, man, e- even through your announcing and everything that you do, um, what I have noticed is you never forget where you came from. That's really important to you, isn't it?
0: You know, Flat Rock is always going to be my home track. Toledo has a special place because I work there so much. You can't forget that. If you do, then shame on you. You don't deserve any uh, accolade, which I never expected. I mean, I just wanted to be in racing when I was a kid, but it kind of worked out pretty well
1: let's talk about that we've had an opportunity to talk to gary lindahl about his path and you know obviously he's a michigan motorsports hall of famer and uh you know he's he's been around the block a time or two and seen some pretty cool stuff uh where does your path begin where where does your journey in auto racing begin you know for example gary started just pushing papers at a local racetrack where does rick eshelman's story begin pretty much along the same lines guys um When I
0: was at Flat Rock, um, I had a friend named John Wyman who became a late model driver, started with Street Stock. We were good friends. We went to high school together. And his dad, Jack, said, uh, when I come to the races with us, and I ended up going, and they discovered that I had great penmanship. I mean, in 1975, I was, what, 13 going on 14. And I could write down the driver's names and numbers and hometowns from the classes, and then give them to the announcer. And that saved them from having to come down. So I'd have a, a seat form every night who was there. And I also collected welding insurance. I told this story at the Hall of Fame. If you wanted welding insurance, they gave you two bucks. You held on to it. You wrote their name and car number down in class. And then if they needed welding throughout the night, the welder would go over there. If not, they didn't pay it. And his name wasn't on the list. And then the welder could charge them whatever they wanted because back then the wall was, go- <clears throat> excuse me, guardrail. And everybody's cars were made out of steel. So, you know, do the math. You get into the crash, (laughs) into the guardrail, you're going to need a welder. So that's how I started off, believe it or not.
1: And then somewhere down the line, you pick up a microphone and, and the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, you have been able to do some really cool things with your career. And, uh, you know, I think, like Rich said, all of us announcers are the same. We're just race fans who get an opportunity to talk a lot about what we get to see out there on the racetrack. But uh, you get to work with some of the best late model drivers in the business. Um, and, and you get to watch some of the best racing each and every week, then each and every time you unload. Uh you've got to realize how spoiled you are, right? Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, even from the days of Flat Rock, you know, going up through Toledo, working at Oak Lima Limeland, Eldora, got to see all many different types of cars. Some some of the greatest drivers to ever, you know, put a helmet on and jump into a race car. And I just practiced on a Panasonic cassette tape recorder. And I tried to be like Howard Williams. Howard Williams was my idol. He... At age 10, I'd sit down in the front stretch with my dad, watch the races, and listen to Howard. I wanted to be like him. He was so cool. I wanted to be an announcer like Howard. Well, when April of 79 come around, announcer didn't show up. Howard had already passed. And um, they said, you want to try it? And I nailed it. And I, you know, bounced back and forth between working the turn one gate and announcing whenever I could. And, you know, I picked up things from Gary because, you know, he's, he's a great entertainer. He always has been. The late Jack Piper, I took a little bit from his repertoire, took a little from Gary, some from Howard, and along the line, some of the other guys that I've worked with. And that's how I created my own style. And it just, it's been a blessing to be able to do this for so long and see so many different cars, make so many friends. I mean, I hadn't saw Rich in God, I don't know how long, 15 years maybe. And it was like we had just seen each other two days ago when we were at Tri-City together and at Thunderbird. So it's, it's one of them things where you never, if you forget where you come from, then you don't deserve to be in this sport. I just, I hate people that forgot how they started. I mean, you know, I appreciate how I started. If it wasn't for that, I would have never got started. You know what I mean?
2: Right. And what what I think is cool, you know, and I've heard people say this before, um, you know, the announcer is not the show, but you also can't just be blank and just call a boring race. You ha- you have to have fun with it. How do you find that balance? Because I found myself, you know, in the last couple of years watching, you know, watching the World of Outlaws. And, and, man, you are really entertaining and not overboard. You know what I mean? It's really easy to cross that line and say, gosh, I'm going to turn the volume down,
0: you know? Well, the, the thing is, Rich, it's, a, it's like a combination of everything. You really hit on a good point. You want the people to get information that I think that's the most important because to the casual fan who is number zero four, what classes he run, where's he from, you know, give them enough information so that they can follow along. Do not overdo it and say everything about it, that he's got eight spark plugs and he's running Hoosier tires. And you don't need to go that route. Just give them information, call a good race, call the action, try not to be the show because When I was 20, I was very nicely informed that I was not the show, never will be the show, and I have kept that in my back pocket the whole time. All I'm doing is trying to give some information, make it entertaining, maybe throw a little humor in now and then, but above all, don't scream into the microphone. (laughs) So many announcers try to compete with the noise of the cars. We all know everybody can hear when they want to hear If they don't want to hear it, then the noise of the cars will cover it. So don't try and compete with the noise of the cars. Just call the race like you and I are talking, but project your voice Mm -hmm. so that people can hear you. They can hear something coming out of that speaker. Whether they choose to listen is their choice, always will be. Just don't try to overdo it. And So many announcers push it too far, and, and that's why they're behind.
1: You know, Rick, uh, in your career, you've had to make some changes and, you know, the sport has evolved, just like we talk with race car drivers about the technology behind the wheel changing. Uh, you know, some things have happened for you over the last, you know, 10, 15 years where now, uh, Rick, you're no longer just calling a race for the fans in the stands uh, and and the house, if you will. Now you're broadcasting to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people worldwide uh, on, on a television production. And, oh, yeah, by the way, that same audio is still going to the fans in the grandstands who paid their money to sit behind the, you know, sit, sit behind the fence and eat dirt all night. And that's one of the questions that I've been asked as an announcer is, how do you find that balance of broadcast style for the TV, for the Internet stream, and also entertaining those, those fans who are sitting right in front of you?
0: you can do all of that, and like you said, it's a balance. You have to be able to, for those that are watching at home, we have a monitor with Dirt Vision, which is the greatest streaming company that ever has been put in dirt racing. They have a monitor. We have multiple cameras. So if I'm calling the action of the battle for third, they may be on it. They may jump to a different battle, which I will then pick up, or vice versa, If we're calling the action for third and all of a sudden there's a challenge for a lead, I will go to the lead, they'll follow me. All the while, everybody in the grandstands has been hearing everything I said, but for the people watching at home, they're getting actually two separate views to where everybody at the racetrack is only getting one. So it's a great balance for people that couldn't make it to the track and for people that are there. They both get the same show, but they don't get the same show, if that makes any sense.
2: So, I got to ask you, you know, on Saturday, that was obviously the biggest moment of your career in in, ter- in terms of being honored, but I think coming up this week, you got something that's going to compete with that. You're going to throw out the baseball for the York Revolution Minor League Baseball team in York, Pennsylvania. Talk that sounds like a ball. Uh, talk about how that came about.
0: Yeah, well, pardon the pun, yeah, it will be a ball, but. I have not thrown a baseball in probably 25 years, so this is not going to be pretty. Um, Our company, World Racing Group, does cross promotions with different sports to, you know, maybe pick up a a race fan or two, and vice versa, the race fans can see some baseball. So they're having motorsports night at the York Revolution Park on Wednesday night in York, Pennsylvania, myself, and um, Hall of Famer 2011 series champion Rick Eckert will both be there We'll do a little meet and greet outside, and then we're both going to just throw the first pitch. And this is something World Racing Group has done to expand their brand to different genres of sports. You know, maybe we'll be at a hockey game sometimes. Maybe we'll be at a football game. We might be at a track meet. Who knows? But it's it's a great idea. It's a way to get our sport promoted, show off our brand, and, you know, just have people – take in something they've never been to before. Like I've never been to a professional soccer game, but I'm intrigued just by, you know, all the hype. They talk about it. It's on TV. There's world championships. Someday I'll get to one, which is kind of how we feel about the person. That's not a race fan. Maybe someday we can get some new race fans and have an even bigger family than we already have. Because let's face it, rich, the stuff you and I have done to each other over the years. If we're not family, we're in trouble.
2: (laughs) That's true, but hey, I, you know, and, and that's the other thing, you know, we, we, we take our work and then and then we have fun with it and grow things outside of it, which, you know, even Zach and I have, have done that kind of stuff, you know, after our work or outside of our work, um, and what I want you to talk about, I think is really cool, because you've been doing this for a little while, the world of OutPause, where did, what gave you the idea to do that? Because that looks like you're having a ball with it.
0: Well... Um, there's a guy named Wes Irwin who is the world of outlaws sprint cars, t shirt vendor. And he had a little world of outlaws thing. I thought that would be really cool. I'll take pictures of dogs and I'll put it out there on social media and people can see their dogs and talk about it. I I love dogs. I always have loved dogs from day one can't have one because of being on the road so long, but you know, I get to pet them. I bring them treats and, uh, um, I give to ASPCA monthly, I always, you know, I just, I believe in, you know, the four-legged ones are the ones with no voice. So we got to be kind to them as well as children, as well as the elderly, as well as the less fortunate, the, the victims of natural disasters. It's all giving, you know, the veterans, the wounded warriors, the tunnel to towers, all of those are great. And, you know, I just try to do my little part with the four-legged community.
1: Rick, let's talk about. Uh, this is kind of one thing that I've always thought about and and kind of wondered. In, in the racing world, uh, we joke about, oh, you know, you're going to hang out with the with the fendered cars, or you're, oh, you're with the with the open wheeled, you know, sprint cars and that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, you were in you and Rick Ashelman talk uh, because you know you guys are both. Uh, you, well, you are Rick Ashelman. How about, uh, <laughs> gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of. Um, Lucas Oil. His name just escaped me. Help me, Rich. James James, James Essex. Essex. Oh, my goodness. Do you ever have that? You're talking about somebody, and then boom, it's just gone. James Essex. I'm lucky if I know my own name half the time. Oh, man. I'm telling you. So anyhow, you and James Essex talk all the time. But my question is, how often do the friends of the World Racing Group cross sides? Do you get to hang out with Mr. Gibson at all? Do you and the sprint car world uh, mingle much? Obviously, you called sprint cars in your career, so... There's
0: times throughout the year that we get to be together, like at uh, Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park. The first week is the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car. Second week is World of Outlaws Late Models, and we get to see each other there. This year, we were fortunate enough to run at the Bristol Motor Speedway, both the Sprint and Late Models on the same card. And that's going to happen again when we get to the World Finals at the Dirt Track at Charlotte in November for four nights. So, yeah, we get to see each other, and, uh, you know, we talk. I call Johnny now and then, and we'll discuss things or maybe have a a technical question we have for one another for setup or, you know, just to shoot the stuff because he's a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. He can't help it. He's from PA. (laughs) I mean, I've always been a Red Wings fan. But we'll give each other some grief on that as well. But, no, uh, get to see the Sprint guys now and then. It's always fun. They're great people.
2: Rick, I'm going to take you down memory lane for a minute, and no, it's not what you think. We're going to put that one to bed, okay? <laughs> you might, are you
1: trying? Are you trying to not let him talk about French's mustard? Is that what you're trying to do?
2: Yeah, right, yeah. No, we're leaving that. That's not. That's not for this hour. That's for, <laughs> that'll be
1: for another, That'll be for another discussion.
2: Yeah, that that'll be. That'll be over. Uh, Bush lights. I think they drink on the road, but, uh, gear. <laughs> I, I posted. Uh, I know you're not on Facebook, but I posted on Facebook. Uh, you know, I shared our our. That you were going to be on the show tonight. And I'm going to read some names I here to you. I saw that on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. Yep. Gary Lindahl, Sherry Algren, Frank Boxdance, Mike Heuer, Sherry Miller, Greg Riddle. All of them say congratulations. They are so uh, proud of you here, man. Wow. Does that I talked to back? Frank Boxdance
0: about, uh, oh, yeah. I talked to Frank uh, a little less than a month ago when I was in Michigan for Summer Nationals. Just gave him a call. And was talking to him, and that was really cool. And Other than seeing you, I've seen none of them in the past 10 or so years, and I miss them. They're all great people. I mean, I owe everything that I know about scoring to Sherry Miller because her and Fran and Dick Duff were my teachers on scoring. I scored before I ever announced at Flat Rock. And if it wasn't for Sherry and showing me the correct way to hand score – I would have never been able to do that. And with that skill, it makes my announcing so much easier because I can tell you who's on the lead lap, who's down one, who's down two, who's the last car in the lead lap. I know all that from the scoring because it's just built into you once you become a scorer. And, you know, I owe tons of gratitude to her for that. But, you know, just everybody you mentioned, they're all such great people. I miss everybody at Flat Rock. One of these days, I will somehow figure out how to get up there for a Saturday night show. But, you know, I miss all you guys. You especially, my friend. Me and you have had some great times. I had fun calling. you racing. You're a great racer. And, you know, we had just a great relationship during those years. And that's, that's part of my background that I will not ever forget.
2: Yeah. And, and let me just – before your questions, that, that that's why it was so cool. I believe it was last year when I was at I-96 – and Zach says, somebody up here wants to talk to you. And I'm like, at I-96, who would want to talk to me? And I walk up, and I said, oh, my. And then he says, what's French you mean to you? And I said, <laughs> man, you're going to make me cry. I know who it is.
1: Well, that's that's kind of what I was going to ask, Rick, is, you know, when Rich read off all, all of those names, you could kind of hear you, you, you kind of gasp a little bit and go, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, that that feeling right there of those people who are still watching your career, who helped you get started back here in Michigan, just, you know, supporting you and proud of what you've done. Uh, take me through kind of what you felt right there when he read that off.
0: Well, you know, it's uh, people like the Augrens, um, Kenny, Penny, Sherry. They were really good friends. We'd drink beer together after. We'd go to the races together. You know, they, they were really great people. They, they were always, you know, were friendly to me, and Sherry always made fun of me. Carrying around my steno book, and yes, Sherry, if you're listening, I've got my steno book in the car as we speak. <laughs> that's one of those things that I'll probably never let go of. Got to have a steno book when you go to the races, but you know, just everybody from Flat Rock and Toledo, and it just, it's just—it's one of those things that will never leave me. I'm, you know, until I get senile and I don't even know how to tie my own shoes. That's something that's always going to be there—is the, the friendships that we made. know growing up because we basically grew up together
1: and that's the other thing too that you know i don't get the impression that you plan on slowing down anytime soon uh you know you've made it into the hall of fame and uh you know now you're still you know you you said you told world racing group yeah i guess i'll show back up and continue to call these races uh do you have any plans to slow down at all or are you happy with where you're at
0: oh yeah at the banquet i
1: let everybody know and i've been telling everybody that uh
0: If I can make it through the 2028 season, which sounds like a long time from now, but it's really not. Six years from now, at the end of that season, that's when I will officially hang up the microphone as a traveling announcer. And it'll be time for somebody else to take the baton and run with it, because that will be 50 years of announcing for me. Wow. And I'll be at my best um, age I can be at for Social Security. I'll be 67 and I think I'll take up golf and go to races, you know, when there's a race I want to go see.
1: And and this is kind of a, a strange question, but, you know, reflecting internally, obviously six more years to go, but are you proud of your, of your accomplishments and of your career? Are you happy with what you've been able to do?
0: Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be on MRN and I wanted to be on TV. And I realized that it wasn't my calling, you know, it's, Not everybody's cut out for that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has to look for it. I certainly did. Not everybody
2: can be Matt Prier.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, I don't think I changed a thing. The tracks that I worked at, the people I worked for, you know, the, the racing that I got to call. I mean, I was at the two best paved tracks, Flat Rock and Toledo. I was at Eldora, you know, one of the best tracks in the world. I was at the Oakshade Raceway where I learned a lot. If it wasn't for Pam and Terry Hendricks and John and Donna Green. I was at Limeland with Dr. Jeff Jarvis for a few years. Um, you know, I was at the Magnolia Motor Speedway where I helped them open up in 2004. But, you know, being with the World Racing Group and World of Outlaws, this is truly a dream job. And it's not one that you take for granted. You work hard at this because they are the best. So you better be your best every single night. Don't leave anything on the table. So I try not to.
1: Rick, we can talk about the uh, ins and outs of this sport all night long because that's what all three of us do. And we love this sport so much. But here's what I want to know because I know what kind of shenanigans I've got into after a night of racing with a touring series. What is one memory that sticks out to you with your World Racing Group buddies uh, after the checkered flag flies, a little post-race celebration or anything like that? What's what's something after the races that people might not realize uh, that really sticks out to you?
0: Well, it's just a thing that, you know, everybody gets together and you have fun. Maybe you'll have a cold one, walk around the pit area, you know, see somebody. It's usually something to do with me and dogs. I make dogs go crazy. I'm not exactly sure why, maybe because I'm part canine somewhere somehow. But that's pretty much it. It's a, it's the a fun you have after, you know, telling jokes or maybe going to somebody's pit and making fun of them. Or, you know, if everybody's in the bar, you get this bottle of French's mustard. Oh no! And you go to the, the driver's race car who you've had a little rivalry with. And you squirt it in his helmet and in his gloves. <laughs> and you oh leave the bottle God. there. <laughs> we're out of time, uh, Rick.
2: Rick. We're out of time, dude. We're it out it of backfires,
0: time. though, because then you wake up one morning after a two-day show, and you go to your car, and it looks like a parade float. <laughs> complete with shaving cream, um, glitter, uh, toilet paper, excuse me, and anything else that might possibly stick to it. So, yeah, it does backfire on you. Trust me on that.
2: Oh, to do it, let, we, were, we were gonna let that go for another time, but oh my God!
1: <laughs> I swear I didn't plan this with him. It just you, happened. You, no, Zach, <laughs> you walked
2: him into it, and he—you opened the door ten feet wide, and I knew he was gonna march through it. I was just
1: waiting. He for gave it.
0: me a fat meatball for a pitch. <laughs> that's what, right,
2: what
1: that's, that's right, Rick. Man, congratulations! <laughs> uh, you know, it's—it was a pleasure to be introduced to you through Rich, and and uh, uh, you know now a pleasure to to get a chance to talk with you on our show. Really appreciate you making time to chat with us and, and congratulations on such a successful career hopefully I get to run into you a couple more times in the next six years. Yeah it'd be great Zach and uh, Rich
0: you know my friend uh, you and I have been buds for a long time always will be that's one of the great things about racing once you make a friend you never lose a friend so that's that's the cool thing about what we do and I hope to see you some more too as well
2: Yeah I want I, I, I gotta start chasing you around a little bit going to some of these races I, I love what uh, World of Outlaws does I love what Lucas Oil does but It'll give me a chance to chase you down.
0: Absolutely, my friend, anytime. And uh, thank you for having me on the show, guys. It was truly an honor.
1: Well, Rich, it's time for that, uh, well, it's that time of the month. And it's not a scary time of the month like that phrase kind of is associated with. It's a fun time of the month because it's time for Gary know? And it's our pleasure to welcome in Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer Gary Lindahl. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings, my friend.
4: Well, how are you guys doing tonight? Amazingly, this is already quick. Seventeen. I can't believe it. That we've done on the show. That's uh, that amazes
1: me. You know, Rich, we have had as many Hall of Famers on the show tonight as uh, there are not Hall of Famers on the show tonight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta balance. <laughs> got to balance that out
1: right i know i know man uh let's let's i just want to talk to you gary real quick uh rick Eshelman on our program tonight he was just inducted into the you know late model hall of fame over the weekend and uh you know obviously you worked with him and and i just wanted to have you speak on on rick just real quick
4: well we uh we had a good time and actually he took me on board because it uh, there was a little issue at spartan speedway and uh i left and it was 1999 rick was doing the show that's when uh that uh, Ron and uh, Ron Drager and Roy Mott bought the track and they decided to bring me on board. And Rick said, I'm cool with that. Let's work together, you know? So that's kind of the way that started. And we were there for probably about three, four years together before he went out and ventured out on his own to do the dirt stuff and good for him. And, you know, uh, I always got along with Rick and we always had a lot of fun in the tower trust me, just like Rick. Do.
2: Now, so now we're going to move into this quiz, Gary. And, um, you're starting to have some fun with this. That's what scares me sometimes. But you this one this one I think is gettable. I honestly think it is.
4: I think it should be. I really believe that it should be. You All right, know?
2: let's kick let's kick it off. Question number one, Gary.
4: Okay, question number one. In the early Spartan days, Bob Finley was listed as crew chief on this car.
2: I don't know the answer, but I know one of our listeners that would. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I would think so. And the interesting thing is, I actually have a picture of this car with Bob Finley's name side of it. That's pretty interesting oh, too.
1: Wow! Huh?
4: Wow! Oh yeah! So, so I know it to be true. Okay. Right. Question, question number. Question. Yeah. Question number two. This driver said, "Fast time," in and Super Modifieds on the same night at Toledo during the Fastest Short Track show.
2: Do you remember what year that was, Gary? No, I don't. Because I will tell you, I will give a hint to the fans, this gentleman has been a guest on our
1: program. There's a hint.
4: Yeah, and he's huh. still racing too.
1: That's what I. That that was another the, hint. That was the hint I was going to give, is you can still catch him racing to this day.
4: Yes, you can, you know. No doubt about it. So, you know, and we get into the fun portion of things. And every once in a while, I like to throw those little fun stuff, <laughs> play on words stuff. That's what question number three is, a play on words. So question number three, you could say this West Michigan driver had a corny name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laugh- sure. And
1: everybody's wondering. They're laughing because we can see the answers. We, that yeah, that's to right. Week, so. <laughs> oh, I, I know
4: that's what I mean. But uh, hey, some of those people out, you know, out in West Michigan, you know, they should, uh, they should get that one. You know, they especially should. my buddy Jake Finkbeiner. He should. He's got to step up now. Okay, question number four, and this is one of those great terms that I thought when I grew up. What wow. did the term dynamiter mean
1: i like this term <laughs> it's awesome isn't it i like this term a lot
4: <laughs> and, uh, and and that was said about a lot of it was said about uh, a certain style of race back in the day would you have? and, to, and i'm sure that uh, we could identify with a few nowadays too
1: would you have identified rich france as a dynamiter in his driving days all right.
4: All I right. would. I would. Uh, uh, if you were going to talk about qualifying, I would uh, consider him last in line all the time. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> this is you my night. You had that one coming, Rich. <laughs> you had <have laughs> that one coming.
2: Oh, Eschelman and you? I'll take it all. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 Gary, you we got it. We love this quiz so much, man. Thank you for the work you put in on this, and thanks for uh, helping us relive some great motorsports history in our area. We appreciate it.
4: Not a problem. Rich, see you Friday.
1: You got it.
2: Or
4: Saturday, I'm Saturday. sorry.
2: Saturday. If I see <laughs> you yeah. Friday, Saturday. Then, we're, then we're drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. all right. Gary, did you know? Thank you so much, man. Have a great night.
4: You too. See you guys. See ya.
1: Well, Rich, it's our time in the program where we like to take a look at a couple of other racetracks across the region over the weekend. Of course, not a lot to choose from on Saturday, Rich. Uh, As a matter of fact, you have the only action from Saturday to talk about with uh, other winners from across the weekend. Right.
2: Technically, I believe Silver Bullet got their events on Saturday. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. But on pavement, this was it. I I believe so. Eric Lee picked up his third consecutive outlaw super late model feature win at flat rock on Saturday. Lee has all but locked up his sixth outlaw super late model championship at flat rock. Uh, And also at the rock, a cool deal. Jeremy Vanderhoof accomplished something he had never done in his racing career. Vanderhoof picked up the win in the street stock and figure eight divisions on the same night. So congrats to Jeremy On that accomplishment,
1: and uh, taking the dial backwards just a little bit to Friday night, following up his big win at the Woodtick, Eric Spangler went back to Victory Lane at Tri-City Motor Speedway Friday night. And how about Phil Bozell? Absolutely went to town in the Dixie Classic 100 at uh, Birch Run Speedway. He wins with reveal the Hammer Outlaw Late Model Tour and the Dixie Classic 100. So congratulations to those winners from over the weekend. Let's take a look ahead now as we open the upcoming calendar. We mentioned the Great Lakes Super Sprints with four races remaining this season. The one of those four is Friday, August 19th. It's been dubbed the Mark Stripco Memorial. You'll remember Mark passed away earlier this spring suddenly, and now the Great Lakes Super Sprints taking the opportunity to honor him with The Great Lakes Traditional Sprints and Lightning Sprints alongside, plus IMCA Modifieds. Rich, gates open at 5 o'clock. Racing begins at 8. Let's give a little love to our friends up the road from I-96 Speedway up at Kalamazoo. They'll have Kids Night at the Zoo with Outlaw Super Late Models, Template Late Models, Outlaw Front Wheel Drives, and Zoo Stocks. They'll get the program started just a touch earlier. Gates at 3.30 and racing begins at 7.30. And Rich, plenty to go on on Saturday night as well.
2: Yeah, a couple of the couple of the big ones. Merritt Speedway All Star Performance Challenge Series for the pro stocks uh, going on at Merritt Speedway. UMP late models, UMP mods, B mods, factory stocks, force owners, mini wedges, all in action at the Merritt Speedway uh, on Saturday. Gates open at 4 p.m. Racing at 6:30, and then at Thunderbird Raceway, the Summer Nationals Hell Tour makeup event for the UMP late models. It's also autograph night at Thunderbird. Pro lates, factory stocks, cyber stocks, warriors, mini wedges, also in action. Gates open at 4 p.m. at Thunderbird. The autograph session will kick off at 4.30 with racing at 5.45. And if you have a bit wristband from from the July 20th uh, Summer Nationals rain out, it will be honored
1: this Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for our program tonight. What a massive show. What a fun show. want to thank... Uh, Stickler for being on the program Cody uh, calling us uh, from down south in Florida also want to thank Rick Eshelman for joining us on the program what a lot of fun it is to talk to him of course Gary Lindahl with the Gary Did You Know segment look for the graphic on our Facebook page later this week and get your shot at a couple of cool prizes from Rich and his friends at Flat Rock Speedway and uh, that's going to do it for our program for Rich France I'm Zach Heiser Thanking you so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings.
0: You've been listening to Horse horsepower happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepower and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.